Have you noticed lately that there is a new split in the church? I am talking about where some in the church, some pastors, some theologians, some different members of the church community are basically arguing for one thing and some are arguing for another. To be more specific, it seems like some members of the church community, pastors, theologians, teachers, are saying, hey, we have this document that we've had for a long time called the Bible, and we should look at it and read it and do what it says. And others are saying, well, the culture has changed. We're not like the culture of 2,000 years ago, and so we need to adapt to the culture because they didn't know things back then that we know now. So obviously, we have more information than they do, so we should just live in that way. What's the right way? What are we supposed to do? Well, welcome to Church Public. Let's figure it out. All right, welcome back to Church Public. I am glad that you joined us. My name is Matt. I am here to help you find the intersection of faith and culture, figure out how we're supposed to live in this life and what we are supposed to do. If you feel like checking out some more episodes, you can check them out on all the platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Apple. You can go to churchpublic.com slash podcast. If you want to pray for us, we really appreciate it. And if you want to support, you can go to churchpublic.com slash support. Again, thanks for tuning in today. Uh, I know there's a lot of news, and I will get to some news. I have a bunch of notes about what, what is going on in the world. It just seems like so much is going on in the world. But as I was thinking about it, praying about it, walking through it, what I really wanted to talk about today is, who are we supposed to listen to? Who are we supposed to believe? Like, What are we supposed to do when we're getting different messages and trying to figure out like what, what we're supposed to do? know and what's true and what's not true like am i true are you true is and we've talked about truth and and it's either absolute nature on one side of the argument or it's relative nature where different people are arguing different things are true um and and that's not the topic of today particularly but what i wanted to talk about is is how do we know and and what are we supposed to do when we're hearing different things even from pastors, even from preachers, even from theologians and Christian celebrities, as I sometimes call them. And how do we, how do we navigate that? How do we deal with that? So I wanted to start with the Bible, go back to the Bible and see what it has to say about it, because I think it's very helpful for us. And I wanted to just say, this is the challenge, right? The challenge is, how do you walk through what people say? How do you know if it's right or if it's not right? And how do we live in this world where there's a lot of confusion about what truth actually is. And I just want to walk through some of that today. So we're going to start in 1 Timothy. Uh, I'm sorry, we're going to start in 2 Timothy. And we're going to start in 2 Timothy 3. And I just wanted to read what Paul has to say to Timothy in this letter that he wrote to him. Saying, hey, this is what's going to happen probably to you. And for us as the church later on, and even now, for the last 2,000 years, it's things that have been happening to us. Now, Again, I talked about this a little bit last time. I don't want to get too far down the road of uh, I, eschatology. Sorry, I try not to use big words. That just means the study of the end things, like what happens when this world comes to an end. Um, the reality is, if you believe in what God has said, this world is going to come to an end, and the new heaven, the new earth is coming. Um, and all I want to say today about that is, 
We're closer now than we ever have been. And that's really all we need to talk about today. There's a lot of different perspectives. There's a lot of different theology. I don't want to get into the ins and outs of that right now because while a lot of people argue back and forth on all of those different things, and I actually have had several people ask like, hey, will you just go super deep about all these different things? I don't want to do that right now because I want to keep it at a level where we understand what each other are talking about. I think that's the most important thing. I think the most important thing is, what am I saying? Do you understand it? What do you say when you talk to other people? Do they understand it? If you start to talk about teleology and eschatology and post-trib and a-trib and premillennial and post-millennial, you start saying all these words, eyes get glossy, people have taken a nap. I mean, we don't want to do that. We want to talk about things that make sense. We want to talk about things in a way that people can understand them so that when we talk about spiritual things, we talk about Jesus and the whole reason we're doing this whole thing to have a relationship with Jesus and a deeper relationship with Jesus, then people can understand that. I think that is honestly the most important thing that we do. So as we're talking about different teachers, preachers, theologians, celebrities, whatever, and unfortunately over the past, well, it, it's happened for a long time, but even in the past few months and year, a lot of the main line, big name Christian celebrity people have made really bad choices and fallen away. And then I would say, I'm not, I'm going to really try hard not to name drop anybody this whole episode, but there are several people that I've noticed that I've listened to for a long time, that I've read books from for a long time that have over the past year or two or five really changed their theology, their philosophy of ministry to a more culturally sensitive or culturally appropriate view. And I don't think that's a good thing because while I think it's really important to share what the Bible says in a way that the culture can understand, we also don't want to become like the culture. I say this over and over and over again, but we we have to be in the world, but not of the world. And that's Jesus. That's not me saying that. But it's really important for us to do that. So, so we have to be careful. So I want to read some from 2 Timothy and then kind of go into it a little bit and, and just talk about, hey, what does this mean for us? So let's look at 2 Timothy. Okay. All right. So this is 2 Timothy. And we're going to start with chapter 3. And I'll just start with verse 1 of chapter 3. So this is, this is uh, chapter 3, 2 Timothy. Mark this. This is Paul talking to Timothy. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Does that sound familiar? Hey, Instagram. Anyway, um, they'll be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Man, that ungrateful one, I feel like that's a big one. We're going we're gonna to have to dive into that a little bit more because I think gratitude helps alleviate a lot of this, a lot of this, this thing where you feel like you're owed something or nothing. You're grateful for what you have already. You don't tend to feel like that. Anyway, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving. My goodness, can we talk about unforgiving in the news these days, right? Um, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, having nothing to do with them. We're supposed to, that's Paul saying to Timothy and to us, don't have anything to do with these kind of people. They're the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed with all kinds of evil 
desires. Listen to this part. I love this part. This is verse 7, chapter 3. Always learning, but never able to acknowledge the truth. Let's just pause on that for a second. Always learning, but never able to acknowledge the truth. I have this issue with college right now where the people in the last generation or two or three that have gone to college are very, very, very smart people. They're very well-educated people. But, and I know many who have left Christianity because now they know more and they know that Christianity is just a small-minded religion. That's what I've been told um, from some of these used to be friends. Like, I don't know if they're still friends. Anyway, I'm still friends, but whatever. And so it's that, it's that what he's saying, like they're always learning, but they cannot acknowledge the truth. They cannot acknowledge that there is an absolute truth. That's, I mean, we've definitely heard that in the culture. It's live your truth. You be you. Right. Um, and, and that's really, it's, it's really a problem these days. Like we, we have to be aware that, that there is a truth and we need to seek after it and we need to find it. And, and Jesus says, if you seek after him, you will find him and everything else is, is going to get added into that. But let's, let's just read a little bit more. All right. This is, um, I'm going to jump to verse, I'm going to jump to verse 12. He starts, he starts talking about some, Paul starts talking about some of the things that he's going through, but I like this in verse 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus, will be persecuted. Um, we talked about this the last time, but again, just to reiterate, like there we are going to move into a time, I think we're moving into it very quickly right now, where if you believe what God has said, if you follow after God, and if you do what God says, you are going to be persecuted by this culture, by the social media mob, by your work. Who knows how far that goes? You need to know that. And you need to know that Jesus talked about that. Paul talked about that. It's, it's, I don't think something that we can avoid. And we have to, we have to know that following after God has a cost. This is 13. While evil men, evil men and imposters go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and what you have been convinced of because you know that from whom you learned it and how from infancy you learned the scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. He's talking about the fact that when you read the Bible, when you read the word of God, when you follow after what it says, you can become wise. You can know what to do, how to do it, and how you're supposed to live your life. And this is, this is kind of the, the, the pinnacle of what he's saying right here in verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness so that the man of God may be able to thoroughly, uh, sorry, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul says in Ephesians that you are made for good works already and that those good works were prepared in advance for you to do. And he's saying here to Timothy, hey, if you follow after God, if you know the word, if you follow the words, if you do what God says, then um, this scripture, the work that God has for you is, is going to get accomplished because you're going to be living in accordance with God, in accordance with his word, in accordance with his will. I can't tell you how many times people have said, what's God's will for my life? And I say, I don't know. But if you do these things, if you live in this way, it's going to become very clear what your will is. And we know that, you know, the things that he's saying here, right? Like preaching, teaching, um, correcting, training. Those are things that 
we should be doing. If we're doing those things, then we're doing the will of God in whatever context we're in, in our family, with our friends, with our work, with our coworkers, right? With, um, with students that, that we work with, or if we are students, with other students. I mean, the people that are around you are the people God has put into your life, not by accident, for a reason, for a purpose. God has put these people into your life, and he wants you to use the word of God, the truth of God in their life. So I just wanted to give a couple different perspectives of what I see in in different views of this idea. And so this is like, we can call this doctrine. I don't, I don't think that's too big a word. Again, I try not to use the, the super big words, um, but we'll, we'll just call it doctrine, right? So that just means how you view scripture, how you view God, and how you apply that to the world, right? So we have God's word in one place and we have the world in another place and to connect them, what do you use to connect them? That's the doctrine, right? So here's like kind of a scale of the different approaches to how you use doctrine. This first one's gonna be harsh, but I'm just gonna lay it out there. The first one would be like a con man. I mean, you all know what a con man is. You've probably watched the movies. You've probably watched the movies where the slick, fast talking guy comes in and says, hey, I have this great deal to, to, to give to you, but it's going to take $100,000, so you just give me that, and then all your wildest dreams will come true, whatever it is, right? And then the poor person gives them the money, and then the, pers- and then the con man disappears off into you know, the Hawaiian Islands or whatever, and you never see or hear from them again, and the money's gone and, and all that, right? That's, that's con man. Again, you've seen the movies, you've read the books, like you know what a con man is. And unfortunately, Paul is saying that's kind of one view of, of people that, that deal with doctrine. Actually, in Ephesians, um, he talks about them. I think the word he uses that we've translated as charlatan. And same thing, right? I just like con men better because I like it better. But you know what this is. You've, you've seen the movies. The, you've heard the FBI tales, right? This is, a, this is this smooth-talking person. And a spiritual con man would be a person who comes in and changes the message when it's in their best interest to do so. So they change it based on what they think the person wants to hear. So if you look at your audience and you say, oh, they're really going to want to hear about social justice. If they're really going to want to hear about... Um, different aspects of culture that you speak into, then that's all you talk about. And maybe you take some of the words of the Bible and, or maybe you don't use all the words in a particular verse and you kind of cut out the end of a verse or cut out a few key verses that don't exactly say what you want them to say. So you just kind of pick and choose and you put those together and create your own kind of hybrid version of the, of the word because some of the things in there don't sound good and they're not attractive, as, as we said. And as Paul says, uh, like particularly to the Corinthian church, the gospel is offensive. The word of God is offensive. Like not even just like, I don't like it, but it offends me, right? That's this visceral like, it makes me angry, right? When you hear the word of God and you don't believe it and it's saying you're doing something that God doesn't like, or you believe something that God doesn't like, I mean, you feel that, right? Like, that's this anger comes out of you. And Paul says, it's offensive. So, con man takes it and says, well, I'm just going to take out the offensive parts. And, um, you know, Paul calls him a charlatan. They will take out the offensive parts and make it really nice and palatable 
and great and and people are going to love that and and unfortunately i've seen several preachers a lot of preachers pastors celebrity christian celebrities that are using this type of of word this type of language that is really soft selling gospel or maybe even not gospel you know sometimes it's taking almost truth or just enough truth to make it sound good but then turn it into a lie and you've probably seen that on social media like some people will post um how do i say like spiritual sayings that sound biblical and they may even attribute part of them to the bible but again they're missing context or they're missing parts of the bible and unfortunately that's not truth in its fullness and and so that's one side of the spectrum of if if you are really being dishonest to the gospel you could be considered by paul a charlatan or by me a con man to the scriptures right um secondly uh, a person would be uh you could call them a marketer and i mean in this culture right like i would say an influencer social media influencer right like you have a social media influencer who are expert sales people salesmen saleswomen who just really want to sell you on the different ideas of the gospel and again they're doing it to to get the most likes to get the most i mean maybe money maybe financial or just prestige or power i mean that's why i say like christian celebrity there are definitely christian celebrities who who again i'm not going to name drop but but who you can tell they just want to be famous want the most people to follow them and like them and appreciate them so they're going to give the best possible gospel words again taking out the offense and the difference here is a little bit of a nuance but in the first one it would be overtly like lies of omission or actually taking the truth and making it into a lie the second one in marketing or in influencing again it's a little bit less malevolent like not intentionally bad or intentionally um, misleading hopefully but it is aiming at um the outcome of of followers rather than aiming at the outcome of truth okay does that make sense that's a little different so that's why i think there's this third category you have kind of a charlatan con man you have marketer social media influencer whatever you want to call it and then you have um i'm going to call them a contextualizer in bible school you would call it hermeneutics in um, other context, you you would call it, it, I mean, context is actually a really good word for it. Context is a good word to say like, and it's what Paul did. We talked about Athens just a couple weeks ago. You can go back and listen to that episode. But what Paul did was he went and looked around and said, hey, this is how you guys are living. This is what you guys believe. This is what the gospel says. And he connected the two. He did not water down the gospel. He said, hey, I have the God that you've been looking for because you've been serving all these gods that are not actually gods and you're just wasting your time and, and uh, you know, wasting your breath to these other gods that aren't actually gods. I have the one true God and, I, and this is Jesus and I want you to know this truth. He didn't water it down. In fact, many times, and in fact, it ended up killing him, but he took his life into his hands to say, this is the truth and you should know the truth, and you should follow the truth, and the truth is Jesus, even when people were like, no, I'm going to kill you for that, because I believe in this God, or I believe in this thing, or I believe in this thing, and they 
threw rocks at him and tried to stone him to death. They set him on an island and tried to shipwreck him. There were a couple of snake incidents where he got bitten. Anyway, side issues. But, but all of this to say, like, if you contextualize the gospel into the current culture, then you bring the truth into the reality of the world that you're living in. I think this is the best way. Honestly, this is why I started this show. I, and, and I have other ideas and, and some things we're going to do as well beyond just this, this podcast. But it, I think this is the most important thing. I think we need to learn the culture so that we can speak to the culture so that the truth has, a, has the best chance to plant in the hearts of people who are willing. I know not everybody's going to be willing. Jesus said over and over and over again, if you have ears, hear this. And in other words, if you don't get it, you don't get it. And he also said that the harvest is plenty. Like there's plenty of people out there who need the hope, who need the truth, who need what only God can bring through his spirit, through his word. And we are the workers of the harvest. Believers, followers of God are the workers of the harvest. That means you, if you're following after Jesus. And so you get this great responsibility, but also just great blessing to be able to follow God and share that and and deliver that word to people. And that's super exciting. And I, I love that part. So bringing context, contextualizing, contextualizer, I don't even, I don't think that's actually a word, but but it makes sense in this instance where you want to know what the culture is, just like Paul walked around in Acts 17 and looked, he surveyed the land and said, I see how you guys believe right now. And you missed a part of it, and that part is actually the biggest part, which is Jesus, and he presented that. And, and that's what we should do. We should look around, and that's what I want to help you do by looking at some of the news stories, by looking at some of the current events and say, hey, yeah, this is what is going on, and we can really make a difference in this world by speaking to the things in this culture and by connecting the heartache, the brokenness, the lack of hope, the lack of peace. We talked about peace on the last episode. Go listen to that. Um, and connecting those things to the Prince of Peace, to the author of life, to the one that gives you hope and a future, this God that loves you and cares about you and doesn't want to leave you by yourself and alone. So that is my hope. And again, we're talking about teachers, preachers, Christian celebrities, whatever, who stray from what the gospel says. Some people would call that orthodoxy, right? The original things of belief, of doctrine. We're talking about, and, and so don't take my word for it. Go and read 1 Timothy 3 and 4. Go and read Acts, read all of Acts, but read Acts 17. Um, read one of the gospels and, and listen to the story of Jesus from those that saw it and were there and, and, or, or the great historian Luke who researched it better than anybody did at the time. And, and we have those accounts and they're verified. At some point we'll do a why is the Bible historical and why is it true? Um, there's such great evidence for why the Bible is actually real and why it's true and why it's not just some made-up story um, so we'll, we'll get into that at, at some point, but I just wanted to leave you with that. And I wanted to leave you with the fact that don't believe everything you hear. It's not all true. And there are definitely people out there. This is not, don't take my word for it. Paul is saying this. Jesus is saying this. There are people who want to confuse you, who want to lie to you, who are out for their own personal gain. I mean, that's the biggest difference here, right? In the first two instances, whether you're a charlatan, a con man, 
or whether you're a marketer, an influencer, the goal of those two people is to get likes, get followers, get power, get money. If you contextualize, again, the world is not going to love you, but your goal is not about you. Your goal is about the other person. I want you to have as much truth as possible so that you can make the best decisions for you. Is that going to make me wealthy and powerful? No. No, in fact, it's probably going to make you not like me because I'm going to say something that really upsets you. But it's not necessarily me talking. It's God saying, ooh, this part of your life that you've been holding on to that you think is the right part of your life and, and, or you like living in a certain way. God's like, that's not the best way to live your life. So that third person is not about selfish gain. It's about unselfish truth and saying, I, I want you to live like God has, has called you to live. And, and, and we talked about a couple episodes ago that you're transformed into the image of God. And the only way to do that is to follow after what God says, which isn't always fun. It isn't always easy, but it is always good. So I thank you for listening today. You can always go to Church Public for more information. You can check us out on the socials. We're on there. Uh, you can leave a comment. You can like. You can subscribe on any of the platforms. I would love for you to share this with friends and family because I, I do want people to know the truth. And the more people that know the truth, the more the gospel is going to go out into this world. And, and that is my ultimate goal because I believe I'm following after God's call to go and make disciples. Um, basically into the edges and the far reaches of the world. So I love that we have internet, we have social media, we're able to, to send this off. So if there's somebody you're thinking about and you want to send this to, send it to them because this is important stuff. The gospel is the most important thing. Your heart and your relationship to God is the most important thing on the face of the earth um, because that is thinking about not just this life, but the life to come. So God bless you. I do hope that you keep the faith. And I look forward to hearing from you next time.